All right. Welcome back once again, everybody. I'm Don Seifert. It's the Dr. Treefer and Don podcast. It's Monday, May 22nd. I am here in person uh, with Dr. Carrie Peters. Say hi, Carrie. Hello. Yeah, this is a first. We've never done it before in yeah. person. Yeah. Usually we do all these uh, over the internet, you know, because we started this when in-person face-to-face stuff was was frowned upon. Yeah. So this is our first like in-person podcast together, which is pretty fun. So we've got a couple of announcements to start with. Carrie's got an update for, for herself, uh, a pathology update. Um, but if you are interested in what's going on with entomology, listen to episode number 12 uh, to listen to Greg's thoughts there. And then if you are looking for uh, thinning recommendations from Dr. Shoup, uh, go go back and listen to episode number 11. Uh, so that's the week of 515. Um, Greg's update was the week of 515 yeah. and, and Jim's, I think, was, was the week the, before the, the week eighth. before that. Yeah, yeah. around there. So uh, those are those are the updates um, for horticulture and entomology. And then we have one more uh, update. There is a precision agriculture technology field day, which is a mouthful to say. Uh, that's going to be held at the Fruit Research and Extension Center in Biglerville on June 6th. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's an in-person, live in-person event with in-orchard demonstrations, looking at drone spraying and early apple yield detection, um, early apple yield prediction systems. And then there is also, uh, it is a free event. There is a lunch associated with it if you do want to stick around and and get a box lunch uh, for $15. And if you call the Fruit Research and Extension Center, uh, you can register with Christy Loper, who's at the front desk, um, so try and confirm your interest by the first, which is the Thursday. And once again, that was, uh, coming up on June 6th. So that's all the kind of bookkeeping that we've got and we'll go on and Dr. Peter, you can give your update. All right. Got a few things to cover today. First, let's talk about fire blight. Uh, the infections are definitely evident out there. Uh, in the south, central, and really the southern part of the state, we had two really good infection events, April 14th to the 16th and April 21st to the 22nd. And we had a couple cool weeks, which just sort of kept the bacteria kind of asleep, but it came roaring back in the last two weeks. And so fire blight infections are out there. So I really strongly encourage people to really scout aggressively out there. Um, Also, if you had a protracted bloom, you had another infection event on May 12th to the 15th. So that infection event's not probably going to show up until next week or the week after. But anyway, everyone should be scouting. If you're in Pennsylvania, if you're in Maryland, you should be scouting your orchards. So what do you do or what should you keep in mind when you're thinking about fire blight infections, particularly pruning out fire blight infections? For first of all, number one, do not cut out infections during wet weather since bacteria move via water. So don't help the bacteria along. Uh, You want to cut out active infections early. So typically this is before the necrosis develops. So this will limit the spread of the bacteria. Uh, So oftentimes you may see shoots that are wilting. They're still green and they're wilting. They may have black veins. The pedial area may look blackened. So that's a very early sign of the infection there. You want to cut it out. 
pruning infection or uh, pruning is most effective when the incidence is low. You want to focus on salvaging the tree structure, especially um, in young high density plantings when the incidence is high. Uh, keep in mind that the bacteria can invade healthy tissue up to about three feet in advance of the visible symptoms. So I know folks really love to disinfest their pruning equipment. Uh, so you, so, you know, I, use your discretion. You, you do what makes you feel good. Personally, I don't do it, <laughs> but that's me. And other people don't share that sentiment. So if you are going to do it, just be mindful that 10% bleach is usually what's recommended, but that's hard on pruning tools. So make sure you use some kind of disinfectant. Some people use hydrogen peroxide. Some people use pine saw. Some people use like 70% ethanol. Uh, but if just if you are going to use something, just be mindful of that material on your pruning equipment. Uh, you want to practice the ugly stub method, which means you are not making flush cuts against the trunk of the tree. You want to cut, you want to aim about six to 12 inches beyond the location where you see the, uh, as far as the margin of the visible infection. And the idea is when you have the ugly stub, you may see some cankering, some dead tissue at that stub where you, you, um, uh, you cut, but you can come back later, either in the season or in the winter and, and cut that off later. Uh, so ideally, ideally, uh, tissue, infected tissue should just be removed for the orchard to far, so far as limit that inoculum spread. However, this sometimes is not feasible. And I will say, personally, I don't do this. What do I do? I throw my prunings in the, in the tree row or I'm not sorry, in the row middles, basically what is mowed. So in the grassy row middle, so that's the area between the rows, the tree rows. And so I'll put it in there, it dries up, and then the mower comes through, it chops it up, and it's not harmful anymore. Uh, so that is something else folks can do. If you see fire blight, especially in young plantings, you can use a technique called the ActiGuard paint method. So what is this? Okay, so paint as a verb, not an actual paint, but it's actually the the, the method of spreading on the ActiGuard on the tree. So you're going to first mix a solution of this uh, uh, ActiGuard paint solution. What this is, you are going to first make up a 1% penetrant solution. So using Pentrabark or something similar. So make up a 1% solution and then add one ounce of ActiGuard to that. So it's a very concentrated uh, solution of ActiGuard. You're going to cut the fire blade out and then you're going to spray uh, the the trunk with this ActiGuard paint, this ActiGuard solution on the trunk about one meter or about 12 inches or so Think that's one meter what is one, one meter I, three feet three feet sorry <laughs> sorry i've been in the sun today so i'm not i'm not doing metric conversions appropriately so anyway you want to do anywhere from 12 inches to three feet i think it is as far as what it what it is um as far as spraying the trunk and this basically the idea is that when you spray this concentrated ActiGuard on the trunk, it's going to stimulate the plant's immune system to help keep that the progression of that infection at bay. This is on the ActiGuard label. So if you didn't catch all those details, it is, it is spelled out on the ActiGuard specimen label. 
The other thing you can do is that if infection's evident is consider applying a high rate of prohexadione calcium. So this is Apogee or Kudos. You can apply 12 ounces to the acre to really shut down that fire blight infection. This is for really bad fire blight infection. So just that is something that you can do to sort of shut that down. Another option is three applications of prohexadione calcium at six ounces to the acre plus Actigard at two ounces to the acre. So this is another method that is also recommended. So if um, 2023 turns out to be a really, really bad year, and right now it's a little early to tell if it is or not for fire blight, you may have to enact a triage method for managing fire blight when it comes to pruning decisions. So this comes from Dave Rosenberger, who's the former pathologist at Cornell up in the Hudson Valley. And this is the advice that he basically gives when you have a really bad fire blight year. You want to focus your attention on the youngest orchards, first of all. Your orchards that are three to eight years old with just a few strikes or few instances of fire blight. This is your highest priority are these young orchards. So that's number one. Then you're going to move down. So same young orchards, but say they are have a lot of strikes in them. So that would be your next group of trees to focus on. Then you would focus on older orchards that are older than eight years old with a few strikes. And then the walk away orchards, which you may have to make this decision, are the orchards with so many strikes that would basically, if you would go in there and cut out the strikes, you'd be cutting out half the tree. Also, when you cut out so many, you make so many hard cuts in a tree like that, you're actually going to make the problem worse. So more shoots are going to grow back in the season, which are going to be susceptible to fire blight. And it's just this losing battle. So you may have to make that tough decision of walking away from certain orchard blocks. So when folks are like doing this, like down the line, kind of arithmetic, when do you start looking at your surrounding blocks? Like say I have an old block that has a lot of strikes next to one of my younger blocks. Yeah. So that's a very good question. So in that older block, what I would do is because this is very common. This is a very common site. I mean, it's here at Freck. I would be dumping the apogee on that block. Dumping meaning use the highest rate that's legally allowed. So in some cases, I think it's 12 to 16 ounces. I think I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's a high rate on those blocks. So typically those orchard blocks that have a lot of strikes in them, they've got old cankers that have not been pruned out. So they are going to be this typhoid Mary, which is going to be wreaking havoc on your young orchards throughout the whole season. Uh, so that's one thing is try to shut down that you can try to attempt to shut down that infection. The other thing is Perhaps if these young orchards that are right next to these older orchards is cut them, you want to be cutting things out because I've done this because I've been in the same boat. And then I would also apply Apogee to these young orchards to also limit that shoot growth to try to slow down the uh, the fire blight that is occurring. But it will be an uphill battle to shut down the fire blight. And you might be pruning out fire blight for like two thirds of the season. Um, and I say this from experience because this is what happened to me last year because I have a very young pink lady block on bud nine that's right next to a very old, old gala block that's on M7, which is loaded with fire blight because I put it there. It was a fire blight block. 
was so much, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. So it basically just seeded fire blight in the poor pink lady all season long. So we cut it out. We were just really aggressive in cutting it out, but that meant that means or that meant that we were in there every single day, cutting out fire blight as soon as we saw it. And we were also using the ActiGuard paint method too. But, you know, one thing is, is that you want to be shutting down that fire blight in the oldest blocks as, as fast as possible. So that's a very good question. The one thing is, is I honestly wouldn't attempt to cut out the fire blight in those big old blocks, those really big old semi-dwarf trees, because again, you're just going to make the problem worse by aggressively cutting out the fire blight, which is going to encourage the tree to grow more shoots, which is going to become infected. And it's just going to be the cycle that never ends. So, yeah. So folks, I will say this is don't take this lightly. This was a good fire blight year. And I know Dr. Jim Shoup basically brought in a tree sample for me on Friday saying, look at this. And it was one of his young gala trees that had had fire blight. But it turns out that it had an old canker in it. So basically, he is just going to cut his losses and remove the tree. So hopefully that will stop the issue. Um, but some of us may not be as fortunate. So uh, I would say, especially with those younger trees, be scouting often. When I mean often, more than once a week. Have a designated person be out there checking these young blocks. Um, so especially blocks on M9. If you've got very young blocks on M9, I will say it will be an uphill battle. And I know this again from experience because I had some trees last year that had fire blight in them on M9 and 50 of those trees died. So this year they were oozing at the rootstock graft union or the graft union at the rootstock and Basically, I had to cut my losses and get rid of them. So uh, any other rootstock like uh, uh, G11 or G935 or Bud9, those are much hardier rootstocks against fire blight. So you might be able to salvage them. So just be mindful of the rootstock scion combination too. So that was a lot for covering fire blight. Any other questions since that was a good one that you had? Thanks. No, I think I think that was my main question okay. for the fire blight update. Very good. I'm glad you brought that up. So the next one thing I'll talk about is apple scab management. So folks should be scouting the spur leaves um, throughout their orchards because um, this is, would be the first leaves that would become infected. We had some... Okay, fire blight infection periods. Again, it was around when we had the fire blight uh, infection periods for um, um, they coincided infection events. So I would you know encourage folks, especially in problematic areas, to go out and scout to see if they've got any early scab. I haven't had a chance to do this yet. I'm, I meant to do it today before we came on here. So I need to go out tomorrow or later today to see what we have. Uh, if you do come across scab, a way to shut it down is the frac group threes are known for sort of slowing down that infection. Also a high rate of sulfur from eight to 10 pounds. That will also kind of burn out or shut down, slow down any apple scab problems. But focus on those problematic areas first, as far as really scouting around to see if you have any apple scab. Uh we're still not out of the woods for Marcenina blotch. Uh, this is still an ongoing problem, folks. Um, so I'd still be vigilant through early June, a couple more weeks till we're out of the woods. We're in great Marcenina blotch weather. We're only takes four hours of leaf wetness. It's great temperatures right now for it. 
Remember, you want to be focusing on FRAC groups three, seven, nine. Uh, fungicides, not the 11s, um, the FRAC 11s, Marivon, Luna Sensation, uh, Flynn Extra. Save those for your rot controls, which is coming up. The rot management period will be coming up soon. Okay, so that, oh, the last thing I just want to mention is sooty blotch fly spec. So sooty blotch fly spec has a model. There's a couple models out there. Well, there is one model, but it uses a threshold of leaf wetness hours. It varies. So if you use NUA, I think it's around 180 leaf wetness hours starting 10 days post petal fall. Uh, that's when you want, want to start your sooty blotch fly spec management. But honestly, folks, if you're constantly tank mixing with a broad spectrum, you should be fine as far as covering it. I am honestly more worried about sooty blotch fly spec the later in the season we go on. So that is in July, August, September, because you can still get sooty blotch fly spec infections in September, believe it or not. Because that's what we saw couple years ago, yes, I think it yes. was. Yes, in 2018, we saw this. And actually, I think maybe even in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it was somewhere. And it was, uh, yeah, it, it rained the whole month of September and it just exploded on those late cultivars. So right now, it's something to be aware of, but you're already controlling it, whether you realize it or not. But sooty blotch fly spec, in my opinion, is really, worry about it later. But what you're doing now, for controlling Marcinina blotch, especially tanks making, tank mixing, either with Captan or Mangazeb, you should be fine. Um, so on to the stone fruit. Yes. Question. Oh, yes. Uh, when you talked about uh, your sulfur recommendation, yes. is that uh, elemental sulfur? X pound, I forget, I forget what oh, yeah. you said. Of. I said eight to 10 pounds to 10, per okay. acre yes. of whatever sulfur you want, whether okay. that's microthyl dispersed, whether that's yellow jacket sulfur or I'm not sure the other brands that are out there. Okay. Just that's, yeah, straight sulfur, the elemental yeah, sulfur. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good question. Yes. Yes. Because I, it came up the other day, uh, someone was relatively new and they were asking me mm. some questions about application and on the label, it was, you need two pounds of active ingredient. It's like, okay, well, that's very different than two pounds of product per. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. you know, it was, it was yes. like 10% of the actual product was active ingredient. I was like, oh, this number needs to go up significantly on your. Right. Arithmetic. So that's important when we talk about copper. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when, because basically copper, it's, there is that the percent of the active ingredient that's on copper. So that's really where, that's where that would come in. But in this case, when I say eight to 10 pounds of sulfur, it's like, Go to your bag of sulfur, dump in it's eight sulfur. to 10 pounds per acre. Yeah. That is, that, that should be good. So yeah, that, but that's a very good question. So the last thing I'll mention is a uh, bacterial spot on um, peach and nectarines. So this, we're, this is great bacterial spot weather this week, folks. It's warm. It's humid. Um, this is really good conditions. And rain events. we're supposed to have rain events. So this is the time that you want to make sure you've got your trees covered. So on peaches and nectarines, you're allowed to use oxytetracycline, which comes as Fireline or Mycoshield. Uh, you are not allowed to use these on other stone fruits, such as apricots or plums, which are also equally susceptible to bacteria spot. So you have to use something, you have to use other things. So what do you use? So um, 
you can, so basically I give uh, options for folks to use in a rotational program, whether you're growing peaches, nectarines, apricots, or plums. I like Serenade ASO at four quarts to the acre or Serenade Opti at four, 14 ounces to the acre. These are good rotation partners for our area, the mid-Atlantic and parts north. Doesn't work like say in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, doesn't work further south, but it does work up here. Double nickel is another one. It's another bacterial-based product. Use that at two quarts to the acre. Uh, another rot good rotation partner is regalia at two quarts to the acre. Uh, so, and another, and then finally, the last one's copper. So you can use low rates of copper. And the low rates I'm talking about is the ones that are, you, you need to look at the metallic copper content on the copper that you're using. And the rate you want to focus on is 0.5 ounce to one ounce of metallic copper per acre. So that is having to do some math. Or if you receive the disease update that was sent out, or it's also posted online. Uh, there is a link to Dr. Norma Lancet's copper article that talks about this rate and different coppers that you can use. But you can also do the math yourself um, based on whatever metallic copper, or I should say whatever copper you use and the metallic copper rate. Uh, so, so for instance, um, just this is the example I always use is Coside 3000. Hoside 3000 has 0.3 pounds of copper per unit of copper, so per pound of copper. And so when figuring out the 0.5 ounce rate per acre, it translates into 1.7 ounces of copper of Coside 3000 that you would apply per acre for a cover spray. That's the 0.5 ounce rate per acre, 0.5 ounce metallic copper per acre. Now you can increase that to the one ounce, which is 3.4 ounces. So you can do that. So the idea is with these lower rates, you'll still get phytotoxicity, which tells you that the product's working, but not so much that it stresses out the tree. And according to Dr. Lalancet, peach trees, nectarine trees can take a little bit of phyto and not freak out and still do it. it there's enough photosynthetic potential in the leaves to still do what the leaves need to do. Now, you don't want to be blasting your trees with copper um, because you can, it won't take long for them to defoliate. So that's why you want to incorporate it into a rotational program. So there's, uh, there are six things that you should memorize when working with copper. And so the six things are, so you keep this in mind so you can limit the phytotoxicity to your trees, is number one, copper is a general biocide. It's going to kill bacteria, it's going to kill fungi, but it's also going to kill plant cells. So keep that in mind. The second thing you need to memorize is not tank mixing copper with a foliar fertilizer or something like a phosphorus acid product like Grampart Phosphorol Profite. Any product that's going to penetrate the leaves is also going to allow that copper to penetrate even better. So when you mix the foliar fertilizer together with copper, it's going to make the copper work too well. So that copper is going to be killing plant cells a lot. So you don't want that. And I do know I got an email from someone talking about how they applied some foliar fertilizer that had a chelated copper in it 
And then all of a sudden, the leaves started falling off their trees. And they realized looking at the leaves, they had really bad phytotoxicity. So kind of had to give him the rundown about how to use copper. And he asked me, well, should I still use this foliar fertilizer? And I said in cow caps, no, you know, don't use this anymore or stop using it. So um, just be mindful of those foliar fertilizers and when you use copper. Um, so just be mindful of them. Captain and sulfur will also cause phytotoxicity. So just be careful about those products too, because they can cause spotting or shot hole appearance as well in the leaves. Uh, copper sprays will become more phytotoxic if they are applied in an acidic solution. So one, be mindful of what your pH of your spray water is and what adjuvants you add. So typically I always, I don't want to see adjuvants with copper. You really don't want to make copper work any better than it has to, in my opinion. Although I do know some people do apply adjuvants, but ooh, some, some coppers actually say don't apply adjuvants with the copper. So you um, to limit phytotoxicity, you can actually add lime to your copper solution because this will increase the pH. And it'll temper the phyto. It'll it'll really fix the copper because the way fixed coppers work is that they're releasing their ions gradually as those as those copper particles become wet, and those ions are what doing the heavy lifting and killing the bacteria, killing the fungi, and killing plant cells. So lime will temper that. It'll cause even a more slow release. Uh, be mindful of how copper will cause more phytotoxicity under slow drying conditions. So. Be careful about spraying copper when it's really wet. Um, that can be a problem. So you use alternative products during the rainy periods. And then copper injury causes round holes of different sizes on the leaves. So it looks like Swiss cheese. And bacterial spot causes angular lesions. And typically you'll see bacterial spot more with spots at the tip of the leaves or right in the mid vein of the leaf. And so the mnemonic that I always provide everyone, whether it's in the meetings or on the fact sheets, is the O in copper and the O in round should help remind you that copper spots or copper holes are going to be round. The phytotoxicity is going to be round holes, and the round holes can be different sizes. Uh, bacterial spot causes angular lesions. So the A in angular, the A in bacteria. So that hopefully should help remind you. So when you look at a leaf and you see spots, well, look, is this, are the spots angular or are they round? Also, in the case of bacterial spot, the leaves will turn yellow very quickly and fall off. Where phytotoxicity caused by copper, they won't turn yellow as fast. The leaves will still hang on the tree that they look really Swiss cheesy, <laughs> uh, if, if that is a phrase, they'll still they'll look they'll look very holy, lots of holes and still really hang on. So um, just be mindful of that. Uh, folks that lost their crop this year, and I know there's a few out there due to the cold temperatures. If you have a bacterial spot problem, you still need to control for this disease because you don't want to allow this disease to build up into as far as high bacterial numbers for next year because it lives in the wood, it lives in the buds. So it's something to be mindful of. And so that is it for me. And the last thing I think to mention is uh, one thing to uh, be of note is on 
June 15th, the EPA has a bilingual pesticide labeling national webinar that is occurring. So uh, for people following this, they've been trying this to get bilingual labels for like 20 years. Yeah. But there was um, a law that was recently signed signed last year was making this mandatory now from what that's that is i'm paraphrasing basically the brief stuff that i've read and so what the epa wants is they want basically input from the public how to really optimize this what needs to be written how best to distribute educate etc and so i really strongly encourage folks to participate in this you do need to register for it it is free it's it's from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on June 15th, and this was advertised last week. Um, so there is more information on the Penn State Extension website. Um, so I will put that address in the description of this episode. So yeah. that way, if you're interested, you should just be able to follow that. Yeah, link. this is really, really important. So folks, everyone who can possibly participate should participate in this. Uh, we'll try to rem we'll try to remember to basically um, remind the next folks weeks. over the next couple weeks. Yep. So yes. All right. right. That is it. Ooh, it's a lot, folks. It's a lot. So um, there's a lot to think about. I mean, the season is here, and we're in full swing. We are in full swing. Good luck. All right. Thanks again, everybody. I will try and get this in your hands asap. Say goodbye, Harry. Goodbye. Good luck. Right. Bye, everybody.